Hello everyone! Welcome back to day two of my week's worth of special episodes. I'm super excited about today's episode. A while back, when I first started my research for this podcast, I found myself on Reddit reading people's stories about their experiences with things related to the Warrens. And I came across this person who said he actually attended a Warrens lecture when he was just 15 years old. I reached out to him and asked if he'd be willing to tell his story on the podcast, and I was thrilled when he agreed. Now, we actually did this interview once already, but it was back when I'd never given an interview to anyone and I didn't have a clue what I was doing, and before I knew how to record interviews. So, we planned to redo and decided to add it to this special week's worth of episodes. It's so good, and I'm so thrilled and honored Mike agreed to share his story via my podcast. So, settle in, sit back, and enjoy a great first-hand account of a Warren's lecture from the late 90s. Oh, and real quick before we get started, a quick trigger warning for discussions surrounding sexual assault and a tad bit of existentialism. And here we go. So I'm going to start off by, let's just start from the beginning. I'm going to let you tell your story about how you witnessed a Warren's lecture at a summer camp. Um, so uh, it was basically, it, well, the camp was like, it, it, you know, we call it a camp, but it was actually at uh, Bridgewater State College. And we uh, were in the auditorium that they have there. And they, uh, you know, they did their presentation and they went over their, you know, the their greatest hits of the uh, Amityville and, you know, the Conjuring case, uh, all that stuff. They went, they went into a lot of, like, graphic detail about, like, Incubi and Succubi and all that kind of stuff. So did it they was, uh, they defined incubi and succubi for you guys? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and how old were you all? <laughs> I want to say the youngest kids there would have been maybe thirteen, and the oldest would have been early fifteen. All right, some interesting subject matter for that age group. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was I was familiar with it already, but I was like, a, I was into horror and stuff as a kid, so. It wasn't like none of this was like shocking to me. I was actually looking forward to it, but <laughs> I would have been uh, too. <laughs> yeah, and uh, but there was, you know, there was a lot of people there that were not, you know, really receptive to it um, at all. And it was like, it, you know, it didn't hit me back then, but you know, it hit me later uh, in life that all the, you know, focus on uh, <laughs> like sexual abuse probably elicited there's probably people there that, you know, were dealing with stuff that they didn't know they were dealing with. You exactly, know? yeah. Um, yeah, anyhow, they ended up cutting the presentation a little bit short. They did Annabelle and all that stuff. But they, uh, basically, it was kind of like they got the hook, you know? Once they and, realized uh, what they were saying. Yeah, well, I think there was, there was, like, visceral reactions from some of the people in the crowd, like, gasps and things like that mm -hmm. and then uh after um you know they still went on for like i want to say like an hour and a half but they definitely were like still in the middle of uh talking when they ended things um <laughs> and they still like there was no q a um you know, like there normally would have been, because yeah. um, we did like these presentations from somebody or other, like every night. 
Okay, yeah, so, and I, I've known the Warrens to do quick Q&As when they're done with their lectures, too. Yeah. Um, so that's funny that they weren't allowed to do that. <laughs> yeah, no, and uh, then the camp director guy kind of, like, apologized, like, briefly, and then everybody <laughs> went back to the uh, dormitory that we were all, like, living in at the time, and the... Um, they put E.T. on, like, a screen out in the parking lot because, like, a lot of, you know, kids couldn't sleep. Um, <laughs> or, and they were, like, you know, freaking out. And, like, uh, they so we watched E.T. out there until, like, I don't know, like, 1 in the morning or something. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> it was, it was weird, like, but it was just, it was, it was, in the context of, you know, the camp, it was like a disaster. Yeah. And, like, they didn't want to talk about it, like, afterwards. We asked them questions, like, you know, like the camp uh, folks. If we asked them stuff about it, they were just, you know, they were just kind of like, no, shut up. <laughs> you know? <laughs> that, you know, wanted to get into it. Yeah, I find it so interesting that they would lecture at a, a children's, like, a camp, like you said, because most of the time their lectures were to colleges like college students and people who were interested in the paranormal, like specifically. So I right. find it very interesting that you attended a lecture like completely by chance, not of your own volition, and that was your experience. Yeah, I think the confusion happened because it was at Bridgewater State College. Okay. Um, during their summer program that they did for like kids in the surrounding towns. It was kind of like, it's kind of like nerd camp. Like, if you're good at art or music or, you know, academics, like, yeah. they had stuff like that. And, and that would make sense, see. too, because Ed was an artist. And, and Lorraine, I think, was, too. You know, and they didn't talk at all about that, actually. That's um, kind of funny. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't learn that about them uh, until, uh, I think, maybe a couple of years ago. So maybe but. it seems they only did that in the early days of their career, and then he gave up the painting. I guess, yeah. Have you seen how much those paintings go for on the internet? No, I have not. They can go up. I've seen them for about 2500 and I've seen them for like 25000 People get really crazy. Twenty-five grand. Yes. Wow. <laughs> and um, there are several people that still have some like in their possession, people who knew the Warrens or were close to them. And some of them have sold them, and some of them are keeping them just, you know, for the keepsake of it. Wow. Wow, that's uh, that's amazing, isn't um, it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's impressive to me as, as somebody who's never uh, been successful selling artwork. Uh, it's I'm I'm impressed that he was able to you know find this vehicle to do it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's pretty interesting, and it always happens after artists pass, then their work gets really famous. <laughs> well, yeah, right. That's uh, yeah, that's crazy. The, um, well, so, in one of my, uh, I think I forgot to tell you this, like, the first time I spoke to you, but one of my favorite things about that whole debacle was somebody at the camp had a Raggedy Ann doll and the elevator in the dorm, like, they sent it, like, uh, to one of the girls' floors in an empty elevator, uh, after the presentation, you know, when everybody was, like, freaking out. That is <laughs> so, so funny. Yeah, that, that was, 
like uh, that that was that cracked me up. That is a but, great story. I bet those kids remember that to this day, and they are so upset about it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I I've wondered about that. I haven't really talked uh, to any of my friends that um, you know were there too uh, about this, but I gotta do that sometime. <laughs> yeah, and then <laughs> yeah, know? let me know how that goes. Right. Well, because I think honestly, if you're not into horror and you weren't, like, specifically traumatized by it, and I didn't know anybody who, you know, was really upset about it. Mm-hmm. You know, there was, you know, hundreds of kids there, so... Yeah. You know, I didn't know everyone. And, uh, yeah, none of them were, like, the ones that were upset, so we never really discussed it, but I I don't know if they'd even remember. You yeah. Know? So... And what, and what year again was this? This would have been... The summer of 1996. Okay. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. The summer of 1997. Okay. Yep. Then, okay, so when it was all over, do you, um, did you discuss this with your parents, or do you think anyone else brought this up to their parents? Um, I'm sure somebody must have. I Honestly, I think that's why they told us to shut up, like, whenever we talked about it. <laughs> like, because there was parents that were pissed off. I would assume because there was definitely, you know, some kids there who had like, you know, over, over the top kind of parents, you know, yes, so like yes. they, um, I'd imagine, you know, there was probably quite a stir, you know, and there's probably <laughs> kids calling their parents that night. Some of them that were really upset. Yeah, for uh, sure. Especially after the Annabelle trick. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe. Right. <laughs> How I mean, much? I don't even know how anybody could see that as anything other than a joke, though. Even if you were freaked out, but yeah, um, I, I feel the same. And um, in my research, I've come across quite a few people who are really afraid and like don't ever want to speak ill of Annabelle because they're not sure of her so-called power. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm skeptical. I mean, I have enough bad luck on my own that I probably wouldn't even realize it if they got any <laughs> bad voodoo from from a doll but um yeah it's not it's not something that I worry about yeah and I'm I'm not opposed to the idea of a haunted doll but I do not so I I cannot get on board with Annabelle being haunted I just can't believe it <laughs> yeah right well especially like <laughs> the fact that one of their um proofs is like it's a, they say that somebody got into a motorcycle accident, like yes. right, like right after it, and it's like I mean, motor, motorcycles are just known for <laughs> being deadly, right? Like <laughs> you're taking your life in your hands whenever you use one. You know what though? I cannot find any factual evidence of a motorcycle accident with a fatality of the dr- the person driving and a female passenger surviving. There is no record oh, of that at all. That's interesting. Right? I'm doing like whereabouts a... whereabouts in the, in the it, area? It was supposed to have happened really close to the museum, which is in Monroe, Connecticut. So I looked in, in Monroe and surrounding areas for all motorcycle accidents that were reported in. So the story came out in 1997. So I looked between 1980 when the book was published and the first telling of Annabelle was. And then up to 1997 when they told it on The Seekers of the Supernatural. And I did okay. not find a single record of a a motorcycle accident accident matching that passenger description. 
and I, I know that they mentioned it in that presentation when they were like, you know, like, oh, you know, don't think this is a joke because this happened. Yeah, and like, uh, yeah. they're firm believers, their whole team, the Nesper team, are firm believers of that story. What's the, oh, Northeast? Uh, uh, the, the New England Society of Psychic Research. Gotcha. Yes, that was founded by Ed and Lorraine, and it is now run by their son-in-law, Tony Spira. I see. Now, is Tony the one that was like assisting them along the way over the years yes um he started out i'm pretty sure assisting and then he created that uh, public television show the seekers of the supernatural to interview them on and then he um he's married to their daughter who and she inherited all of their items and all of their property and stuff and so he (laughs) he kind of runs it because she says she's she doesn't really want anything to do with it and it scares her a lot Interesting. Yeah, so he, he's taken over. He runs the museum, which is now closed, and he runs a a, a a convention dedicated to them. And he goes, he makes appearances all over. He does a lot of YouTube stuff. He's working, currently working with a lot of YouTubers, allowing them into the museum since it's no yep. longer open to the public. I see. Yeah, that's how it's. It's strange to me that it wouldn't be open to the public because they seem to, I mean, it's, it seems like they want to make the most of this from a, you know, a financial standpoint. And so I don't know why you wouldn't, um, it must be a zoning thing or something. So yes, I actually do know the answer to that based on some people I've spoken to that are very close to the situation. Um, Tony oh. apparently caught very greedy, just like you said. And so the museum is in a home. It is not a freestanding business. Um, it's in a neighborhood. And mm-hmm. Tony was having more and more people come to museum. And the cars were piling up outside in the neighborhood. And the yep. neighborhood got upset and turned them in for it. And they told him, you are no longer allowed to do this. You are not a zoned, uh, you are not business zoned. So this is a residential area. Yeah. And that's why he's not allowed to have just random people there anymore. So I think that's why he's graduated to um, letting, you know, YouTubers who have a great big following who are into the paranormal come in and, and do their investigations. Yep. Okay. I can, I can see that. Um, he's definitely after the money any way he can get it. <laughs> well, that's when you said that his wife, you know, doesn't want anything to do with it. She's scared. Like, honestly, it, it almost like makes me think, it, it it could be that she's terrified or it could be that it's just like, you know, her husband's lame project that she wants nothing to do with. And mm-hmm. it's like, <laughs> yep. couldn't we just open a pizza place or something? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, whether she believes it or not, she doesn't want anything to do with it. Yeah. And there's a lot of speculation over whether or not they actually believe in what they're saying. So I find that interesting, too. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, I think you could actually do the you know, run this as a business with, like, as much integrity as, you know, any other business. If you just were kind of a little bit more ethical with your presentation. Agreed. You know? Yes, agreed. But um, I think, uh, didn't, I think, like, P.T. Barnum, like, started exhibiting genuine fakes or something at some point. Yes, yes. Yeah, like, you could, you could do all kinds of he, stuff. Yeah, but. he had a kind of a shtick about that. Yeah, he was, and he was well-liked as far as uh, the business. I don't know about him as a person, but 
he did his business did extremely well. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, well, he's he's like one of the original showmen, right? Yes, yes, he was. And um, one of my favorite stories is he was opening a new um, permanent location, I believe, in New York, and he had new um, what you call it exhibits that no one had seen and he was very excited and one of them was supposed to be a mermaid like a human size like he had the fiji mermaid and stuff but Mm -hmm. um he he claimed to have had a real life real life size mermaid and the night before the grand opening somebody burned it down oh no kidding (laughs) yeah so no one ever saw that mermaid and i find that very interesting did he pre-sell tickets or anything? Or? I'm honestly not sure. Um, I know that it was announced in the newspaper because there is a picture of that supposed mermaid in the paper. Interesting. Yeah, for the announcement. And I don't know how soon he announced it, and I don't remember if there were ticket prices on it, but I'm sure there were. That's what, you know, like all this stuff, like I wish that, um, I know there's pods that specialize in, you know, like scam artists. You know, and doing episodes just, you know, on that. And, like, I, uh, the, you know, the environment, like, you're you're dealing with criminals and stuff. So it's not even inconceivable that, you know, a a competitor or somebody that he burned, you know, like, could have, uh, you know, been on his his tail. But, like, at, at the same time, wouldn't it be hilarious if, you know, one of these people got their hands on something that was real and somebody actually did have some kind of an interest in shutting him up. Yeah, that like, is a theory. That It's a theory that the government <laughs> shut him down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Because gov- the government doesn't want us to know about mermaids and mermaids, aliens. <laughs> right. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's great. Um, so, I, uh... Yep, sorry, go ahead. No, you're good. I was going to ask you, um, I before we talked, uh, the last time we talked, we talked a little bit about, uh, like you said, horror movies and stuff. And do you remember if the Warrens brought up any movies in their lecture? Um, yes, they brought up uh, Amityville. And they brought up the some of the paranormal kind of talks surrounding, I, I can't remember if they brought up the stuff around Poltergeist, those rumors, or... Um, I know that in their presentation they showed uh, the that notorious image from Three Men and a Baby with the, um, like, it, I, there's, like, a face behind, like, the actors or something. I remember and, you saying something about this, and I forgot to look it up. I'm going to have to find that picture. Yeah, um, and uh, I, I can't remember if they said that it was like somebody it resembled like a somebody who died of a suicide or something like that like i honestly can't remember what they said about it um i remember hearing elsewhere i think that it it was debunked as there being like a cardboard stand stand up thing or whatever those things that used to be around in like the 80s and you know early 90s that happened to be on set and showed up in the in the image or something that's um, really interesting. I'm gonna look into that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, but um, it didn't. It, honestly, it didn't strike me then or now as a super credible thing. But you know, I mean, I don't know that it, per, paraloidia or whatever it is. Yes, but, yes, you know, paraloidia. See faces. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, I suffer from that a lot. I always wanted to be a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
Yeah, it, it's a, it's it is kind of appealing, like you know that you, you get to see something like extraordinary. You know, the idea some some people it appeals to, and other people are terrified. Yeah, and so Ed seemed like he really believed in this this particular incident from that movie. Uh, I mean, that's how they that's what they were selling it at the time. I, I I'm confident in my recollection of that that it was you know they were saying like yeah this so see this stuff happens yeah. um, and um, he talked uh, you know about the Amityville um, uh, killings um, and this you know subsequent movie. They talked about doing their investigation there, but I don't recall if they went into, you know, uh, that much detail. Yeah. Um, honestly, like, and sometimes with, I got the feeling with some of the, um, uh, the incubus succubus stuff too, that like, he kind of, they real he realized it was more him than Lorraine, but it was like, he kind of realized that his audience, this is more like a, you know, ghost stories around a campfire situation and not, you know, they weren't presenting necessarily the academics they were trying to sway or anything. And it, and he seemed to kind of, like, you know, enjoy, like, pushing the envelope and getting the gasps and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, I, I, I definitely, because I remember, like, it, it was, like, the, you know, the way he would say something and then he'd follow it up with something else. And, like, you start to hear the gasps and then he'd be like, Oh, and and then people be like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, he's like, "I've got them. I hooked them." <laughs> so yeah, it was uh, it it was. I mean, it was it was cool. I mean, the whole summer they had the um, posters of you know uh, like on the wall um, in the dormitory, like of all the different presentations you know for every night mm-hmm. they were gonna do, and um, I mean, I remember like you know the ghost hunters one like. <laughs> It was just like, you know, spooky clip art and stuff like that, you know, on it. And uh, I remember looking forward to it, but it was definitely presented as, you know, like, like it was like whoever scheduled it was thinking of it like way more goof than than they presented it. Yeah, I, I, I'm getting that, that. They didn't realize what it what they were getting into. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, I don't know, like, I guess... <laughs> I mean, obviously, if there's people that that are dealing with, you know, like, essay kind of issues in their lives or whatever, like, that kind of stuff's going to be especially difficult subject matter for them. But Yeah, it's very um, triggering. Yeah, exactly. And uh, they, uh, I think that was, like, the last thing they ever thought <laughs> was going to come up. You know, I think they thought it was going to be, like, harmless ghost stories. Um, yeah. Well, you know about the scandal about Ed, right? And his um, alleged... The living mistress? Yes. She was supposedly 15 when he met her. Right. So that, that it makes me think... As a, as a bus driver, right? Not yes. A, just was... a public bus, not a school bus? Right. It was a city bus. And uh, yep. there's some stories to say it was a school bus, but I definitely got confirmation it was a city bus. And yeah, that's what I've always heard. Yeah, and I don't, um, I think some YouTubers, like some people, like YouTubers and other podcasts, it's hard to find accurate information and it's easier just to skim the top, I guess. And that's where a lot of the information is that's wrong is right on top. So yeah. if you don't dig a little deeper, but I find it super interesting that you experience this sort of subjects 
in their talks when um, I've read a lot of their books. I don't think I've made it through all of them yet, but several of them have really detailed depictions of sexual assault and ghost rape um, as well as like regular sexual assault and some of the <laughs> stories are from like crimes they worked on where Lorraine was assisting as a psychic and then some of them were from the people claiming to be haunted and it just it makes me wonder about his you know proclivities if he was having right. any interest and in that those alleged rumors are true right yeah, it. I mean, it definitely kind of. Uh, yeah, it, it's it, it's it's sort of it's very unseemly uh, it feeling. <laughs> when like I when I listen to their books because I have to listen to them on audiobook so I can work otherwise I won't retain the information if I'm just reading it, and so mm -hmm. I'm listening to this audiobook reader describe these sexual assaults in my ear and I'm so uncomfortable and I keep I keep thinking like. This is excessive detail. They didn't have to be that graphic and that it's supposed to be about their ghost hunting, not this. And it seems to have such a forefront in the novel. Like almost like pornographic detail. Yes, very, very, very graphic and too much for that, a regular that novel. Strange. That is that's so strange that, that would even make it through like an editing process or anything, but I guess it was like a different time. And I think it's because it was supposedly a violent crime that happened for this okay. particular one I'm thinking of, Lorraine goes to a scene where they think a crime was committed and she has flashes and visions of what happened and she describes it to the police because obviously mm -hmm. they're going to be wanting the details to know if she's accurate or not. And so I think that might be why they got away with it, but it seemed excessive. That's, yeah, it's interesting. I, um, I, it blows my mind like that, you know, people... I mean, just them being involved in a criminal investigation, I can't imagine being a defendant and having, you know, like a prosecutor, like, hold, like, testimony from some somebody like this. No, really, like, seriously. I, I can't imagine, like, I wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me if it, you know, a court let it in, but, like, I mean, that sure would be grounds for my appeal. So I'm not sure about any other cases, but I do know that the the one, the Arnie Cheyenne Johnson case, the one where they tried to use the defense of possession, they mm -hmm. got shut down by that judge. That judge said, absolutely not. I will not have that in my courtroom. Yeah. So they had to come up with another defense, but they did that based on, um, so Arnie Cheyenne Johnson's lawyer that he was given was... Um, researching cases that have succeeded with this defense and it's only happened in England and they actually won and so I think he thought because of that he could win the jury over but he never got the chance mm, interesting um I mean yeah if I mean if you don't have any better defense I, I guess I can see resorting to it in that sense but yeah I don't know the um you know when uh the other case uh, I'm remembering because I it was the first place I ever heard of it, but the one that became the movie The Entity. Yes. Um, they talked about that case too, and I can't recall really anything they said about it uh, or anything um, other than just you know like the basic summary. They they might have even kind of glossed through it. I don't know if or how much they were involved in it, but I know they mentioned it 
because when I finally saw the, the film, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember this. And so, uh, that, that would have been where I heard of it. Yeah, and I wanted to ask you about that because I have a lot to say about that. Um, the Entity, firstly, is one of my favorite movies and stories. It was the first I saw of its kind. It was the first time I was subjected to a so-called true story via a movie. And it was the first time I learned that you could be possibly attacked by a ghost in that way. So, <laughs> when I started doing this research and looking into the Warrens and learning about all the, the sexual references and the incubi and the succubi references and all their stories and cases, it occurred to me that they had to have seen this movie because it's all so similar to it. And they had absolutely nothing to do with that case. It was out in San Bernardino, California. And the woman's name was Doris Bither or Bither. It's been said different ways online, so I can't decide which way is right. But the person yeah. that worked closest with her said Bither. So. But anyways, they, they had nothing to do with that case. But it happened in, in the late 70s, and the movie came out in 82. And then right after that, they had the Smurl and the Snedeker cases. And the Snedeker case has a big portion of it is ghost assault on all of the family members, including the men. Wow. And that one is quite fun because that that uh, novel, when they wrote the novel on that case, it was written by a man named Ray Garten. And shortly after it came out, Ray came out and said, the Warrens are frauds. Um, Ed came to me, or I went to Ed actually, and said, hey, the family member stories aren't lining up. This is really difficult for me to write because everyone's, you know, not on the same page here. I'm not okay. sure I can write this. And Ed tells Ray, they're crazy. Everyone we work with is crazy. Just make it up and make it scary. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know, it's, I mean, as a grifter, you can almost respect him a little bit. I, I mean, I don't want to sign off on Ed Warren, you know, because God knows what else he was getting <laughs> up to. But like, you know, just from some from somebody who, uh, you know, like respects a good scam. That's that. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. He was I, I on to something. <laughs> I'm he sorry, was, what were you saying? He was definitely on to something. Yeah. And he was the first of his kind, it seemed like. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, he was, you know, he was like a very much like a creature of the 50s, it seems like. And that's when all that, you know, schlock kind of horror, um, yeah, you know, first started to show up. So I can see like, in his mind thinking like, oh, yeah, like, I mean, it's such a natural step. And especially with, you know, the success of like The Exorcist and everything, mm -hmm. like, and uh. And you were just coming out later. Yeah, yeah, and you just reminded me. Um, in my research, I learned that the Warrens were really big fans of the Twilight Zone TV series. Cool. And yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, it's a great show. But did you know that in um, pretty sure season five or six, episode five or six, I always get those two confused. Oh, the is there's a doll one. Yes, the living yes. doll episode. Yep. The, it's about a little girl who gets a, a, a doll for her birthday, and it turns out that it's haunted and it's terrorizing her stepfather. But the main thing in that episode that really got me was the mom, the character that plays the mom, her character name is Annabelle. Oh, no kidding, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so I find that so funny and so, like, 
coincidences, you know, happen, but this one's a, it's, it's pretty close. Yeah, it's, that is a, that is a big coincidence. Um, and I mean, you know, although I, I was going to say like back then stuff aired, but I guess the Twilight Zone something that was probably like rerun a lot. So you would, you would think that they would be smarter than to, you know, connect it to something that people were going to see. You would think, yeah. And I I think he was a bold person. I think he liked pushing that envelope to see how much he could get away with. Yeah, I think you might might be on to something there. (laughs) So when you were, um, so when they were there lecturing and after they talked about those things in the movies, did they happen to share any of their personal evidence with you guys? Any video or audio or slides even? Slides, definitely. Um, They had a slide presentation. I don't recall any, there definitely wasn't any video, um, and I'm not recalling any audio, um, but I do recall them saying that they had uh, documentation for everything that they were saying. Okay. Yeah, they say Um, that a lot. (laughs) But they weren't showing it to you. Yeah, and they haven't shown much of it that they claim to have, so. They they claim to have video of Annabelle um, moving, but it's never been seen. (laughs) So, yeah. Um, um there are there's a lot of haunted dolls right there's better like haunted yes. doll stories aren't there yes like, there's people and... who actually do have videos not that they're that compelling but right and there's there's a lot them. more like a lot of those other dolls have way more um evidence backing them like annabelle has okay. next to none so yeah I, I mean on the one hand it's like you know the lack of evidence Sometimes it almost seems like it'd be more credible because, or, you know, if it's something, it's evidence that you didn't know that you had or something, you know, mm-hmm. like, but it's this kind of, it seems like in their investigations, especially like if they're, you know, really bringing recorders and everything everywhere, like you'd think they'd have something, you know, yeah. to show you. Yeah. And Ed says he has loads and loads and loads of evidence, like mounds of it and the amount that they've actually shared is so minuscule. Um, they they just did a new documentary. I don't know if you knew about this. It just released on the 17th. It's, um, excuse me, it's um, called The Devil on Trial, I believe. It's on Netflix. And it's about the Arnie Cheyenne Johnson case. And they actually mm-hmm. shared the recordings of the little boy, David Glatzel, who's supposed to have been possessed. Um, mm-hmm. They shared many recordings. And all I could think of was how fake they sounded, like how the little boy sounded like he was faking it. Like he sounded like a little boy cursing his mom because he could, you know, he sounded very hesitant with the curses. Like when you see possession movies and the possessed are cursing and spitting and throwing up and like it's all disgusting. It's it's so instant. It's so in a flash. They catch you off guard. It's never thought through. And you can almost tell he's hesitant to start these curses and these growls. Yeah, he escalates as he sees he's getting away with it. Yes, (laughs) and then there's there's a a whole section of the documentary where they talk about um, the people who don't really believe in it come forward and talk a little bit, and one of the brothers says, at one point my dad got so sick of it, he came out into the living room and, you know, picked him up off the floor and said, this ends now, the devil goes home, whatever, I'm done, and left the room, and it stopped. Like, if the yep. devil's going to listen to his dad, like... <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. 
So that was a really good point. And I'll be covering, I'm working on that case now. Um, I waited for this documentary because I was really interested to see in what direction they took it. And they really blew my mind with it. It's a really good one. I highly recommend it to anybody who's into that case. Yeah, I'll, I'll check that out. I that think, sounds interesting. I think you'll like the ending. There's some pretty good twisty stuff that comes in and it really shocked me stuff that's never been mentioned before Hmm. yeah i haven't i mean it probably all be new to me because honestly uh outside of uh warren related you know media like um that's not really a case i'm familiar with yeah and uh i watched the i watched the newer movie they made about it but frankly it, it didn't really it didn't seem to have the magic that the first Conjuring had. Or oh, anything, yeah. So I didn't pay much attention. I agree with that. It seemed really forced. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I just didn't find it, like, to be compelling, like, on really, like, any any level. And uh, The Conjuring, like, as a, as a movie, like, definitely, like, sucked me in. I've watched it a few times. I agree. Um, that first one, it, yeah. it was really good. The second one was good, too, but it started to fizzle from there, like... It just wasn't as compelling, like you said. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's so it's so common in horror sequels and stuff too, right? You know, it's it's funny that these so-called real cases would suffer from the same kind of like audience fatigue as uh, you know, your like Freddy or Jason sequels. <laughs> yeah, that yep, that does happen. So, do you recall Ed mentioning? A case about a haunted farmhouse in Rhode Island, or a spirit called Bathsheba. You know, I don't remember them mentioning uh, the Bathsheba name um, or anything when uh, they did that presentation. And there was, it's you know, given that it was like almost thirty years ago, and that there was multiple. Um, references they made to cases that involved, you know, families. Mm-hmm. Um, I might just be blanking uh, or confusing it with one of the other ones. Yeah, but... totally. Do you remember the uh, phrase, the bewitched farmhouse? Nope. Okay. I'm you asking know, because I they... I listened to your podcasts about it, um, but that's, that's, I think, really... Um, all I all I recall about it. Yeah, I asked because um, they were when they started their lectures. That was one of their main subject matters. So I was curious if they were still continuing that into the nineties. Yeah, and, um, they, and you know, they very well may have been. You know, I, like I might have gone to the bathroom or something. Who knows? <laughs> you know? Totally understand. <laughs> so um, I have another question for you then. You said you were into horror movies and stuff at this time. Did you believe in the paranormal then? And do you now? Uh, um, okay, so... I... am not somebody who um, is eager to believe in much. Uh, and I, at the time... You know, I found it, like, entertaining and stuff, but, like, uh, at the time, I was definitely, like, atheistic or, you know, agnostic-leaning. Well, not <laughs> really leaning. Pretty much, you know, like, that was kind of my, my reality. I just, that's what, you know, how I understood the world. My folks went through an evangelical kind of phase that we got dragged along on, and uh, I remember, you know, doing things... Um, you know, you 
know, they tell you to pray, so you do it, all this kind of stuff. And I never had any kind of results or anything from it. So, you know, no, like, <laughs> uh, I'm not like, uh, you know, a believer. Um, and, and, you know, and I did give, so later in life, like, uh, as a result of like, uh, addiction issues, I landed in AA and I really did give the praying thing a try. Like, um, you know, gave it a shot, like an honest shot, like, well, let's see if this works. Like, you know, you know, still, still nothing. So <laughs> I was just like, um, you know, just not really like, uh, I've, I've never really, yeah. Like, I don't know. It's, it's a hard question for me. I almost want to believe, but at the same time, like, it, it always just feels like somebody trying to sell me a used car. Yeah, I can, I can understand that for sure. I have, I struggle with believing a lot these days, especially with the research, because the more I dive into the cases and the, the information behind it, I, I'm believing less and less, and it's getting harder to cling to my beliefs in the paranormal, but then... I'll get it like I'll get a, a listener story. Someone will send in a story, and it'll be so captivating and so believable that I'll 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 be back in my mindset of yeah I, I believe there is something out there. And then of course I've had uh, several of my own experiences I can't explain. I just right. I get that's, really that's the problem for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I get really hung up in that because all this stuff I see on TV isn't really like what I've experienced and seen myself. And because of that, like, their explanations for what's going on seem so silly and made up and just because someone had an idea and they are like, yeah, let's go with that. And they always... Well, and it always justifies a belief system, I find, like, or uh, confirms a belief system, you know, whether it's the Catholic Church or it's, uh, you know, some kind of obscure occult like ideology or yeah you know like whatever like but it always they're always like giving you these cases that you know follow uh, these things and it just seems like uh stuff in the real world doesn't tend to be so clear-cut exactly uh, yes ever. Re- you know? yeah i watched an interview recently with lorraine and they asked her a question about how hauntings occur and she matter-of-factly said without hesitation all hauntings begin by invitation and she was referring to doing things like playing with the Ouija board and it just it got to me that she would say that because that's not true because plenty of hauntings exist in this world that have nothing to do with the Ouija board right yeah or or even any other form of invitation like she said like like, a lot of hauntings are just, like, people, okay, so you have the example of a residual haunting. Something bad happened here. The the, the death was violent or, you know. Right, like Gettysburg. Or yes, and so the like, energy yeah. is left behind. That wasn't by invitation. Sure. So it, it really. Unless she's counting the events as an invitation, which she might be. See, yeah, and that's another thing. They're so vague in their definitions of things that they don't they they have an umbrella so if those questions do come up they can be like oh it's because of this or oh it's because of that because of our umbrella term right and that's it's really frustrating because nobody has these answers 
I don't care who you are. If we had these answers, we would have evidence and proof to back them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or at least like, um, a, 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 an unproven, you know, kind of idea that has a lot more, um, experiential track record, you know, yeah, or something more, like, more um, of a, um, evidence. Is that the word? <laughs> More long-term uh, evidence? Yeah, like, or, um, you know, like, empirical, like, anecdotal, like, uh, like, well, this worked, but we don't know why it worked. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yes, yes. You know, like, um, I, uh, I don't know, but the, um, yeah, the, the whole, like, the, the experiencing kind of thing. So, because I've had, like, multiple uh experiences where i've um you know like seen things or like <laughs> like one time at, at my job like you know like i saw like two kind of fantastical um one was like almost like an invisible looking kind of entity like waving at me and then another was like a dark shadow that passed immediately afterwards um in a fully lit room oh wow <laughs> Yeah, but I don't know what the hell that was. Exactly. Like, I, you know, there could be a million things that could exactly. explain that. And then Lorraine know? would come in and tell you exactly what it was. Like, she right. knows for sure. <laughs> right, and that to me is like, you know, I mean, I can you can take the anecdote and put it in the pile of like, well, okay, so this is something that fits this description, but I don't think you can say much more than that. Yeah, you know? I agree. And the more you have piled up that fit a description the easier it is to accept it versus just saying oh that's what it is right yeah so i actually like if you if you want to if you want to hear it like so when i was like eight i had a real crazy experience where i saw what at the time uh i thought was the easter bunny yes tell me about that (laughs) it literally looked like a guy in a stuffed rabbit costume like hopping down the street except this is you know, like three thirty, four in the morning, and I'm watching this from my window in uh, <laughs> Bridgewater, Massachusetts, as like an eight year old. I was like, you know, like I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Like I was like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> but it didn't look like, it, you know, it could have. It looked like almost like a parent had dressed up, you know, in the costume or something, and was like, you know, kind of moving down the street, but it was moving awkwardly, and. uh <laughs> so as it comes closer to my house uh, we're under the corner of like uh you know a road that turned into a cul-de-sac it you know crouches down next to my dad's car and then that was the last i saw of it <clears throat> and uh a few minutes later i'm in my room and i i become aware that <laughs> there's something that i'm hearing going on like you know in the stairs that lead to the upstairs so i'm watching this and staring at the stairs and this like what i assume was like the ear of the for lack of a better term you know like six foot rabbit (laughs) um you know poked around the corner and then um i saw the same kind of like invisible like entities that uh, I was telling you that was waving at me that other time. I saw like two or three of these um, come into my room 
and that's the last thing I remember. That's and uh, and it didn't feel like a dream or anything. It was like the craziest thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> that is pretty crazy. I that would scare no me to death as a kid. <laughs> Were you afraid? Um, I was fascinated mostly. Yeah. And um, it was like it, it was almost like there was communication back and forth, but like not in words, like like an understanding, mm-hmm. like of like oh this is kind of funny and then then i'm just like i blank out that's really interesting and it makes me think of um i don't know if you are familiar with the theory that some apparitions or so-called ghosts are actually aliens right right yep that it makes me think of that like um aliens can supposedly enter your your conscious mind and show you yep. things or tell you things and if it was close to easter maybe that was something it presented itself as to make you more comfortable yeah that's what i wondered that um like since um and i've actually found one other person uh this guy on reddit um i, I found and he was telling a story about the same the similar entity um he claimed that when he saw the thing go around his house and he saw the back of it and he said it was like, it looked on the back of it, it was like scaly and like a dinosaur. Wow. That would totally tie into the alien theory. That was crazy. I was like, what? That (laughs) is crazy. And uh, I've been, you know, watching for years and years and years to see if anybody ever, it's probably one of the reasons that I stayed interested in the topic. Um, Yeah. To see if, you know, anybody would ever come up with a similar experience to, you know, my rabbit one. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, in the last couple of years, I finally found uh, at least one other person who claims to have witnessed something similar. That's really cool. I never thought to do that. I have a similar but not similar story, um, as in, similar as in, um, what I saw was a fairy tale uh, character I was probably about seven or eight, and um, my Aunt Sarah was babysitting me and my little brother, and she was a teenager. She was probably, I was probably seven, and she was probably 17, and I remember we had a sliding, gla- a sliding glass back door, and I would look out the back door into the backyard, and like my imagination would go crazy. I was a pretty imaginative kid, but I remember looking out there, and it was dark outside, and I saw the shadow of a man leap over our garage like it looked like he jumped over the garage the shadow and so I yelled at my aunt Sarah I was like aunt Sarah aunt Sarah Peter Pan is outside and she she was like what are you talking about and so she comes to look and she didn't tell me ever what she saw but I think she saw a a, you know a man a figure of a man just like I did because she actually called the police and had the police oh, wow. come to the house to see if there was a man in our backyard. And I'll never forget it. I It flew over the house. There was no physical way a man could do that. So you seeing something like that that's more of a fantasy idea, it made me think of that Peter Pan thing. I swore it was Peter Pan. I told everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah that was, I was convinced when I was like eight that it was the Easter Bunny. Yeah. And the thing was is that I wasn't a kid like... You know, when I was, like, five or six on the school bus, like, you know, they told me, oh, that stuff's all bullshit. Don't be an idiot. Oh, yeah, you yeah. Know, so I, I wasn't, like, a big believer. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, when I saw it, I was like, no, apparently the Easter Bunny is the one real thing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, and, like, I've since, like, 
you know, I don't think that any, anymore, uh, obviously. So I just dropped my phone there. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think that anymore, obviously. But, um, you know, whatever, you know, it, the experience was like, it's just nuts and I got no explanation for it. But it doesn't, at the end of the day, like, I'm still kind of like a staunch materialist, like, uh, because this stuff seems to happen on its own time. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. There's no rhyme or reason to it. And it seems kind of um, arrogant to think we can describe it or explain it or pin it down. Yeah, yeah. Well, at least with, you know, so with such a massive lack of information that we have. Yes. To, to, <laughs> yeah, it seems crazy to think that. Yes, I have a real problem with definitive answers with no information behind it. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, and that's dangerous. Um, yes. You know, because it's just, uh, it's it's not good to just, you know, take things as, uh, you know, gospel, or for lack of a better term. Um, Agreed. And also, um, a big thing I'm coming up with in my research is uh, the mental health part is being overlooked a lot, and that needs to be addressed more versus um, automatically saying it's a ghost or a haunting or a possession. Sure. Yep. Yep. And the yeah. more... And I'm, I'm definitely open to that angle. Yeah. And, I mean, later in life, like, crazy experiences that I have, like, I attribute more to drug use and things like that, but... Um, when I was eight, <laughs> I was straight, so... <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Well, a, a lot of um, people like to think that it is also um, associated with anxiety or stress in the home life when you're y- mm-hmm. that young, you know, and there are no drugs to play a part. Um, yep. That or some people like to say it's movies, you know, they enhance your imagination and your fears. Um, mm-hmm. So more so, like... Like, we definitely need to explore the mental illness part, but also just the mental part in general. Like, the way our minds work, the way we take in information, and the way we transfer and change that information, and the way we perceive things versus the way someone else perceives things. Yeah. Um, it's... It's and there's probably nothing that we know less about than our own perceptions either. Exactly. You know, even yes. though we should be so familiar with them. <laughs> yes, and it's hard to it's hard to pinpoint perception when it changes so much. Yeah. The, so in the experiences that I've told you about are the ones that I have not been able to think my way through yet. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, I understand that. There's <laughs> I have many that I'll think on for a minute, but then uh, I can't. I get frustrated or I get, you know, I lose interest in it because there's not enough answers or... Yep. Yeah. The lack of information is the hardest part. Yeah. Agreed. (laughs) But there's something so, you know, seductive about, you know, trying to... The (laughs) mystery. over it and see if this time you figure it out. Yes, the mystery. Oh, there's a new (laughs) movie out called... um, Have you heard of the movie A Haunting in Venice? Uh, no, I don't think so. I highly recommend that to anybody who is part skeptic and part believer because it has everything. It is a great film. It has Tina Fey in it. It's the first time I've seen her in a, in a serious role, I think. She did amazing. I really loved it. It was a well-rounded paranormal movie. 
Huh, cool. Yeah, I'll check it out. It's definitely a fun one. So, um, is there anything else you can remember from the lecture that struck you as particularly interesting or shocking? Um, no, I don't, I don't think so. Um, the, yeah, the most shocking parts, you know, was really just the, you know, kind of graphic, uh, you know, nature of some of the, like, sexual kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, and at the time, like, you know, to me, like, I, you know, just desensitized, I guess. It wasn't super shocking to me, but, you know, it hit me later that, like, wow, that was, you know, really not exactly appropriate, like, For sure, you know? yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. But, I mean, honestly, like, I think that, you know, in the 80s and 90s, stuff like that got presented to younger audiences a lot more often. I agree. I was, I was, um, when I, the first time I saw a scary movie, I was eight and that was in 90, 93. Yep. And then the, yeah, from there on there, I saw all of the scary movies, like the Poltergeist, the Exorcist, Amityville, like all of those I was allowed to watch after eight years old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, um, I mean, I watched everything that I could, obviously when my, my folks went religious, it became trickier, but um, at that point, I was hooked, so yeah. <laughs> no stopping me. Yeah, my mom was a big fan, too, so that's part of the reason I was allowed to watch them, and then the rest of our extended family just thinks we're weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I have a question for you, then. Hmm? If you could go back to that lecture with hmm? the knowledge you have today, would you ask Ed and Lorraine any specific questions? I mean, honestly, yeah, like, I, I, I mean, you know, like, it wouldn't be possible because they, they got, you know, like, yanked off stage, yeah. basically, but um, if I could talk to them, I, I would actually, i more so talk to Ed, and, because I don't really understand Lorraine's psychology at all, mm -hmm. but I think that, um, you know, like, I'm not, uh, <laughs> I don't want to make it, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not like it in any manner but i think i get what's going on with what he's doing i think i'd probably just talk to him like somebody else who is like you know like so does this work like <laughs> how much money are you making at this like i love it um you know like anybody that would run any scam mm -hmm. um and uh you know because if you talk that candidly with you know that author you know, um, exactly. Yeah. It seems, it seems like he wouldn't try to bullshit you if he knew <laughs> what he was doing. Yeah. From what I'm learning, uh, through talking to a couple different people and, um, some people that did get to interact with him directly, he's the kind of man who, if he liked you, he'd take you under his wing and share his entire life with you. He'd take you on every investigation. Like Frank, he got to go, he, Ed would call him up and be like, hey, you were about to go investigate this house. Do you want to come? And Frank would be like, heck yeah, and they'd go. And he said, Frank said that Ed was like a father to him, and he said he really respected him, and there was a lot of love there. And that's a part of Ed that um, I didn't, I wasn't aware existed. I, I had no idea that he had that side to him. Yeah. So that was really fun for me to get to hear that from Frank and hear a different perspective of Ed from someone who was close to him. Um, does, so this guy, Frank, does he, what, does he think that, you know, like he was credible or? 
Frank said that Ed was very, um, he was big, he was a big, um, character, a big, uh, personality. And Mm -hmm. he said that there were times where he believed Ed didn't believe, but he said that some of the stuff they witnessed together, he made him a believer. And he thinks that even though some of it may have been exaggerated or some of it may have been, you know, faked for, you know, audience, the audience's sake, he thinks that there was gen, there was genuine stuff investigated and genuine results and that there was a genuine side to Ed's want to discover the things. But like Frank and a lot of other people think, Ed was just so eager to present it to the world that it was easier to embellish it to get the in, the uh, to attract the attention that he wanted. Interesting. That's yeah, that's a pretty charitable uh, viewpoint. I would say. Yeah, I, I agree, and it was really interesting to talk to Frank because I told him how I have my personal feelings of Ed from what I know about him, and it makes it hard for me to like him. But to hear yeah. a perspective of someone who never saw that negative side and only had good memories, it was really interesting. And he also declined to speak about any of the allegations, which I respected and understood. But I will be doing that episode soon. I will be addressing those allegations and sharing the evidence that I have found and the things I've come across. Um, do you have any luck talking to her? Or? Not yet. Um, I've reached out to her several times via the internet, but she's either ignoring me or she's not exactly sure how to respond because I'll yeah. comment. She'll she'll post something. This is a really good story, actually. Um, I don't know if you heard about this or not, but a man a few weeks ago tried to break into the Warren's house claiming to be sent by um, an angel and he had a sword and he was there, yeah, he was there to, like, I don't know, save the world from the Warren's Museum. And he was arrested. They came to the home and they tased him. They got him in handcuffs and got him arrested. And um, Judy, she decided to post on the internet the article and then comment on it that that was her apartment right upstairs. Oh, okay. So wow. there's confirmation that it was her apartment. and i'm keeping track of all the posts that she posts um these are public posts um she has changed her name so i'm not going to reveal that just you know because i don't want to bring anybody down on her or anything but it's it's a public page uh if you do the research you'll find her um Mm -hmm. it's just really interesting to see her social media and how she portrays that relationship she had yeah that's that is interesting yeah. That story about the guy breaking in. I know. That wow. was so crazy. And it's funny because there hasn't been any news around the Warrens in a while. Like right. the property or them, aside from, you know, random documentaries being released and anything Tony's doing. Yeah. And this news made it all the way overseas. I had a friend overseas tell me about it. <laughs> wow. I mean, you know, you are kind of playing with fire with some of this stuff because some of the people that are the most deep into it mm-hmm. are, you know, yeah. not necessarily, you know, great judges of what's appropriate behavior and what's not. Yes, and this is not the first time that someone has stormed a location with this, you know, mentality of saving the world. Um, the parents dealt with a lot of people when the Warrens gave their information at lectures in the 70s. 
they would have people show up at the farm telling them, you know, we're here to condemn the demons. We're here to expel the demons. You know, this this house is evil. And the, right. poor, the poor parents were just trying to live their lives. Right, right, yeah. And uh, it's like the, with the Pizzagate stuff or whatever with the folks showing up. Um, the Remember when that was a thing and then they stopped those guys, like... They had like a SUV loaded with weapons and they were on their way to New York City <laughs> to I, like set the captives free or whatever. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like some people aren't ready for the internet, you know? Yeah, like, exactly, yeah. <laughs> and then there was another one, that, um, the Area 51, where the whole world tried to conspire to storm Area 51. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, that that was, I mean, that, that was... I, I, frankly, I think the Pizzagate guys had a more realistic plan. Agreed. Uh, the the, the <laughs> Area 51 one was very outlandish and very... I think it started as a fun joke and it just kind of got out of hand. Yeah, I think you're probably right. It's interesting, though, how a group of people can come together with missions like that. Yeah, and it's it's just too bad that they can't, you know, like... Do it for something real that's important. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> so, I have one last question for you, and then I will let you go. Huh? Is there any stories you have that you would like to share with my audience that revolve around the paranormal, whether it happened to you or maybe somebody you know, or anything that really hooks you, that makes you not sure you don't believe? Mm, the or the Easter Rabbit one. That um, was the one that I told you. Yeah, that would. Uh, it's it's too bad that I said that earlier. That'd be a good answer. For <laughs> no, <this> no, <laughs> that's no, that's totally fine. Um, some people only have the one experience that they cling to, and then some have dozens. Yeah, I um, I mean, that was just so weird, and. That's, you know, that's why I always watch one, because it seems like the last thing, if somebody's just making up a stupid creepypasta or something like that, it seems like the last thing that they come up with. Yeah. Um, so I, uh, you know, always was on the lookout. You know, of course, I'm letting the cat out of the bag now, but it's been, you know, it's been it's been long enough, so. <laughs> well, maybe one <laughs> like, of the... I'll shake the tree at this point. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, um, I... That that was the thing that uh, for me was the most you know authentically weird, unexplainable um, you know situation because you know the beginning part of it you know like I said it could have been somebody in a costume outside whatever but then the stuff that happened subsequently immediately following it just you know the whole thing was crazy yeah for sure <laughs> and and uh, so, so after that happened did you ever so how often did you think about it after that happened? How often does it pop up in your head, and how often are you reminded of it? I forgot about it for, like, a bunch of years. Um, and, um, you know, I pretty much just existed as, uh, like, an addict for a long time mm-hmm. and didn't think about much. And um, it kind of came back to me when I was, like, uh, I, want, I didn't really think about it at all between, like, the ages of like 12 and 26. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I started thinking about it again, like right, right then it popped back in my head and I was like, Oh yeah, that happened. (laughs) Um, and, um, 
yeah i've been like you know it's been on the back burner like ever since because it's just such a bizarre thing mm-hmm. well maybe but... someone listening might hear this story of yours and relate to it yeah that'd be cool i mean either that or you know somebody will <laughs> hear and start making their own stories up but <laughs> that always know, happens whatever. yes <laughs> I'm sure I have a listener or two out there that could make up a pretty good story. Yeah, right. I mean, and, you know, that's cool and everything, but I, I'd be fascinated, too. That's why I was so excited when I found the other person that was telling that story. I bet. Um, Did you happen to reach out to them? You know, I couldn't prove it to anybody, but in my own mind, I'm like, oh, wow. You know, like, I, so now I know that at least somebody else has something like this happen. Yeah, for sure. Did you try to reach, reach out to them? I did, actually, through Reddit. Yeah, I talked to them. Um, and he sent me back like a YouTube link to an interview that he gave. Um, he's, he's got like, uh, other, you know, paranormal kind of stuff. He's one of these YouTube interview givers. Oh, okay. I got you. Gotcha. Well, that's really awesome. Yeah, it was cool. Alrighty. But, uh, no answers, unfortunately. But yeah. Yeah. Just more questions, <laughs> <you> know, right? <laughs> nice to get some confirmation that you know maybe i'm not completely insane no for sure and sometimes i think the answers can be a letdown so lack of answers isn't always a bad thing yeah i'm okay with being let down honestly i just i, I like to know yeah you don't like to be left in the dark yeah i'd rather I, I, i'd rather just know it even if it's i don't even know what i would want the answer to be yeah so uh to me it's it's always going to be a plus to know one way or the other that makes sense i'm i'm getting disappointed left and right when i learn the more i do the research and the more i learn how things are faked and how things were revealed it, it, it's a bummer when i've been so into the idea for so long and then i'm like oh now i definitely don't believe that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean honestly like i personally think that my ideal kind of vision of like life and death and everything is to be alive and then blank out and rot in the ground and never know the difference like afterlife all those things it doesn't appeal to me okay so um i prefer uh everything to be cut and dry um, just that simple and yeah we're just warm food but um <laughs> you know who knows <laughs> but it's it's a lot more complicated if we're not you know? agreed yes um do you find it to be more um, scary if you know or you don't know what's on the other side? Um, I mean, frankly, I think that, like, the idea of, like, you know, heaven and all that kind of stuff is, is relatively terrifying, yeah. Yeah? And not, not just, like, fear of hell or anything, but, like, it just, even the idea of heaven just sounds like it'd suck. Like eternity? Yeah. Like, it seems like you know, like a really simple thing to say to a child and, you know, to a un, unformed mind might find that comforting, but yeah, um, yeah, nothing about it is comforting to me. When, you're, when just, your brain uh, is, when your brain is so analytical and so into problem solving and wanting the answers, it's really hard to accept heaven as an idea. Sure. Yeah. You know, or like just, you know, like, decide you know your consciousness wasn't infinite because it started at one point so for it to be infinite now it seems like kind of a paradox you know that like makes it sense. just seem, it seems crazy to me yeah but, that makes sense yeah i don't know i uh i i 
most people somehow don't seem to agree with me that it's a lot more comforting that no, I just, I personally find it a lot more comforting, you know, for a death just to be, uh, an abrupt, you know, easy end, you yeah. know, like, um, that's, that's me though. Like other people seem to feel differently. No, I could understand that. Um, I have too many ideas to subscribe to just one. So that being a possibility, I'm, it, it's, it's just as much, you know, an idea to me is any other. I don't find any of it comforting, to be frank. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so I think if you can get to a point where one idea over another one is comforting, that's really good. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I like taking naps. You know, I like, I like, <laughs> like this. So that works for me. So that's, that's you know, <clears throat> personally, that, that would be my preference. But um, yeah, maybe, you know, it might be infinitely more complicated than that. Yeah. And the the struggle with it is the lack of answers. Sure. Yep. Well, well I really, really appreciate you coming back on and to talk with me about this. Um, I know that the first one was a little all over the place, but this one was really, really great. Uh, I, I think we covered everything. Is there anything at all that you want to address before we end it? Uh, no, I'm good. Um, I'm, I'm not always super comfortable talking or whatever, so I apologize if I sound nervous or whatever at any point. But... Oh, no, you're totally fine. Every interview I do, I'm nervous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you. There's I think something... being on the phone is what makes me nervous. Yeah, that might that might be it. There's just something about thinking, that knowing that somebody else might hear it. That uh... And, of course, like that's what you want, is for other <laughs> people to hear it. Yes. <laughs> so... It shouldn't be as uncomfortable as it is, and, and yeah, here we are. Yeah, but. well, I just I just did an interview last night, and then last week, um, one one where I was on Creepy Cheesma's show, and then I interviewed her for mine, and I was insanely nervous for both of them because I look up to her a lot, and all I could uh-huh. think the whole time was like, oh, please don't sound so silly, like get you know, stop stuttering, stop interrupting. <laughs> Right, yeah. I was just like, I was like, uh, yeah, just like, I try to remember to breathe. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've definitely gotten better at the question asking part, but I still get a little hung up in the like conversational part. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I thought you sounded pretty good. I mean, you seem to sound better than me, so. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, but you sounded great. I really think the listeners are going to enjoy this a lot. All right, well, I hope so. Well, it was so good to talk to you again. I'm going to let you go now, and this will be going up the last week of October, so I will let you know the date that it will be going up. All right, great. Thanks a lot. You are so welcome. Thank you for coming on <laughs> again. <laughs> Got it. You take care. You too. Bye. Bye. Big, big thanks to Mike for coming on the show and sharing with us all. That was such a cool story, and more backing for some of my theories about the Warrens and their mission. Come back again tomorrow for episode 3 of 7 during my super special week of episodes in honor of Halloween approaching. Until next time. everyone. Are you ready to embark on a magical journey into the world of nature's treasures? 
Look no further than Into the Woods Stones and Crystals. Discover the enchanting collection of stones and crystals that will ignite your spirit and elevate your well-being. At Into the Woods Stones and Crystals, they offer a treasure trove of Mother Earth's finest gems, all carefully handpicked to bring you positive energy and healing vibrations. Whether you're a seasoned crystal enthusiast or just beginning your crystal journey, they've got something for everyone. From amethyst to quartz, citrine to obsidian, each crystal is a unique masterpiece waiting to enhance your life. And if you listen to my interview on Creepy Chisma, you know how much I love obsidian. But that's not all. When you shop with them, you're not just buying crystals, you're investing in a deeper connection with nature. Their crystals are ethically sourced and sustainably harvested, ensuring they protect the earth as they share its precious gifts. And here's a special treat for you listeners. Use code TRUTHORDEMONS, all one word, at checkout to enjoy an exclusive discount on your purchase. Ready to bring a touch of magic into your life? Visit their website, into-the-woods-stones.myshopify.com. I'll put the link in the show notes. Explore their exquisite collection and don't forget to follow them on social media for updates, special offers, and crystal wisdom. I will put all links in the show notes. Into the Woods Stones and Crystals where the magic of nature meets the power of your spirit. Shop now, enter Truth or Demons at checkout, and let the journey begin.